Somewhere men are laughing and somewhere children shout. But there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has Gotcha. That's I lived in Bayswater, but I actually I had a friend who lived right next to uh, King's Cross that we used to go visit every now and then. But <laughs> Bayswater is the most American place you could have said that you lived. I was like, it, I'm not surprised. <laughs> My God, it really that's I think that's why it felt comfortable. I did have to walk through, uh, you know, Queensway and through Kensington or by Kensington to get to my school, which was nice. <laughs> Into South Kensington. Very swagged out museum. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we have to... I know, to yeah. Let him do his thing. Let him do- All right, we'll uh, save it. I'm <laughs> still recording. We can honestly start with that if we want to. <laughs> oh, actually, that works. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. It's Mudville. It's episode number 30. That's a round number. It's a special. Yeah. <laughs> Brody isn't here with me today in person. He is back at home in Katona, so that explains some of the Zoom audio. But also joining us today is the official London correspondent, Miss Molly Thomas. Molly, how are you today? Hello, I'm doing very, very well. I'm very sick, as we've discussed, but I'm pretending that I'm good. You're a trooper for uh, sticking with us despite it. We got a couple of great championship series, both in the AL and in the NL. As we said earlier in the week, the Phillies and the Rangers were both up 2 nothing. Both of those series went back to 2-2 ties. The Astros took all three games in Texas. And then last night, the Phillies were able to take that last game in Arizona. Molly is famously a fan of the Philadelphia Phillies, so I was watching that game last night. I was like, 90% of the vibes for this podcast are going to be determined by how this game goes. So I was very happy to see that the Phillies actually took that one. Uh, Zach Wheeler shoved last night. He's turning into a true playoff hero. Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper each taking Zach Gallen deep. Molly, how are you feeling about the Phillies right now? We're feeling good. Um, we're feeling good. Um, they're treating you like a good boyfriend, which are you? They're they're six one, which is, and uh, they're they're winning. They're like hitting the ball, and like everyone loves defense, right? But the main point is you want to see like, guys hit like a ball very very far, and they did that. And um, obviously, like everyone was still incredibly anxious, unless it was like a fifteen nothing lead. Everyone's like, we're gonna lose it. We're gonna. Well, basically, we're going to lose it, but fingers crossed, two more games, hopefully only one more game, but two more games to just, like, tie this up and then have to battle the forces of evil, a.k.a. the American League, (laughs) the worst vibes, the worst vibes currently. The American League has had the worst possible vibes in the playoffs, I feel like, for, like, five or six years now. Like, I feel like that's a theory that we've both been kind of like independently working on now for a while. Yeah, that was fun. 
Man, the Phillies are a good time. They have like players that you want to root for. They're all likable. They're, you know, I like the the long hair and the beards thing going on. Like they look unified. <laughs> it's kind of fun. I mean, they I've, like get really drunk with each other. You don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know where they were on January 6th. But other than that, they're really good guys. <laughs> like they're really good guys. I think you're right. I think I'm still rooting for it to be a Phillies Rangers World Series just so that the only team that didn't host a Pride Night back in June has to face the team with the best like homoerotic vibes in the entire league. Like I don't know. I I feel like if they were in the series, the Phillies would just all start like making out with each other and then they they would like sweep the series. They all yeah, look like they have like a rock star thing going on from the eighties where <laughs> it's like not really clear like, what's going on with them. And, and the crazy thing is like the Rangers are the Creed team, right? Like they're they've got a different vibe. But yeah. like the real the rock star. But I actually like They, they will like, tell you where they were on January sixth. The Phillies you could only see. <laughs> yeah. As someone who was raised like my family are like Irish Catholic. Yeah. My most Protestant trait is the like I'm rooting for a team that's like Bryce, Bryson, Kyle. Yeah. Like, what the hell are you doing here? Like, yeah, it's, it's oh, like God. white guy. Like, it's, final, it really like, is. Trey, yeah. Like Bryson and uh, I mean, and uh, Bry- I'm dating a girl named Bryce also, which is uh, <laughs> she's been having fun with that. But um, yeah, Bryson and Bryce is really quite the duo for these guys. <laughs> and you also have Alec. Kyle, as and you said. Let's go, Brandon. There's a lot of really good ones. Man. Go to a like frat party, and they're gonna tell you to name Phillies. ten brothers to get in. Just yeah. name the Phillies starting lineup. Just go Trey, Bryce, Bryson, Alec, Trey. JT. That's Trey. probably guy. That's probably brothers from their frat. Oh You'll probably get in. Wow, that's so true. <laughs> Man, that 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 could also kind of work though for Texas. Nick. Nick also were oh like you go well, in there they're like what what are our names Josh, Marcus Corey Jonah, Marcus Josh <laughs> Evan I don't know this is a very frat teams left yeah I think the issue is just like a lot of these guys are born in like the late nineties early two thousands it's like everyone's like we're gonna like, get, like, I think I think like, 90, like Mason 90. and like <laughs> all of the players are now like younger than us all of their names are like the same as a bunch of TikTok influencers yeah, exactly. now it's crazy yeah i was that. hanging out with some 22 year olds on uh, the other night and they were like talking about like how hot ali rutschman is and i was like i think he's a little young and they're like oh he's older than us and i was like oh, <laughs> yeah yeah how old is that <laughs> Actually, Adley, I think is twenty four. I believe he or no, he's he's twenty five now. I think he's older than Juan Soto, though, which is incredibly jarring. That is crazy. Um, February sixth, nineteen ninety eight. So there you go. We were talking last week about the whole like Wander Franco thing about how he's gone and how we were like we were we were making a passing reference and we were saying how their future shortstops Junior yeah. Caminero, uh, Carson Williams. I said keep it eighteen plus, and then I immediately felt well, ew, I could probably say twenty one, and then I was like, wait a minute, those guys themselves are twenty. That's they're, just that's so weird young. to think about. Like there yeah. are guys coming into the league that are like six years younger than us now, and that. That, yeah. that freaks me out. I don't know. I mean, Juan Soto showed up at 18, didn't he? 19? Yeah, uh, 19. Yeah, he's... 19. I don't think he there's been a drink after they won the World Series. <laughs> I was going to say, he couldn't... Like, because then he, he got then traded like San Diego, right? Yeah. He, they won in 2019. Yeah. yeah. You know Matty B. Rapp? 
Of course. Okay. Yeah. Number one is Beth is January 6th. Number two, he's like now like grown and has a thigh tattoo. <laughs> and I saw that on my timeline and it like really fucked me up for like one calendar week. Do you know like Lights Camera Jackson? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's the same way where I, I feel like he has the like, I don't know, Martin Short and Clifford type thing. But like, also, he kept growing now for another ten years. So he's like, he's like my age now. I, I think Lights Camera J- Jackson is like twenty five. But like, if you Rapp look at him, 20. he looks like he's fourteen. Wait, Lights Camera Jackson? Yeah, look up, look up Lights Camera Jackson. For those, if if anybody's listening who doesn't know, Lights Camera Jackson was a kid film critic. I think in the like Syracuse area. Our friend Seamus, like seven and a half. Oh God, that's so much. Our age. Yeah, He's 25. No, yeah, yeah. But our friend Seamus was like aware of of this Lights Camera Jackson kid when he was like a young like local TV type phenomenon. He would give like kid reviews where he would basically be like, "This movie is too confusing," and then like uh, Cars is great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably that it was it was probably like that exact era. He probably gave a review yeah. for Cars, but it's like, but like that was his prime. So like those were his fifteen minutes of fame. You get the sense that either like right. he or like his parents tried to like stunt his growth to an extent to like keep him in that like moment where he could like be a where, like I, I don't know like, like our judy garland yeah <laughs> the modern judy garland top 10 worst decisions in film history number 11 mgm gets judy garland hooks on pills number 10 lights camera jackson debuts on syracuse tv at age eight He's like a grown an man, child, child, kind of. Stars. Yeah. That'd really yeah. yeah. That'd be kind of sad, honestly. It would be, it would be really <laughs> sad, but it would also be kind of fun. Not all of them turn out terribly. <laughs> yeah, no, a few of them did well. I think, like, Haley Joel Osment is probably a pretty, like, regular guy now. I don't know. Seems like a normal guy. He was in Kingdom Hearts, too. Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, he's, well, I think he was not. He Great. went through it for a while. He got his, his life together. I saw a thing yeah. the other day. Macaulay Culkin was saying, like, every time he's, like, on a date, somebody wants to watch Home Alone with Macaulay Culkin. I, that's, that sounds like the worst <laughs> hell imaginable. It does. That sounds like Groundhog Day, but for a, a movie you were in as a kid, it's like, that's a nightmare. <laughs> Moving on, we actually had a number of uh, films that we wanted to talk about today. Molly just recently attended these at uh, the London Film Festival. Most of these I have not yet been able to see. They have not gotten a wide release yet in the States, with the exception of Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, which I just saw on Thursday. We'll try to be vague about it. I do just want to go through some of these with you and see like what you thought about these. You're the only guest we've had that has uh, seen these yet. So starting with Jeff Nichols' The Bike Riders. I don't really have a ton of information about that movie, honestly. It's like, it's, it's, it's a Drew's Roth movie. It's like, um, like set in like the 60s and 70s, like a Chicago like murder by gang. It's just like, it's guys being dudes. Um, I like left to be like everyone's gonna want like the Austin Bella flow in that movie because his hair looks majestic, but it's like Tom Hardy doing accent work, which <laughs> is incredible. I, I felt like the first half was better than the second half, to be honest. And I think like every critic has said the same, but it's like very, very fun. And um, Jerry Kerm is really good in it. She like is kind of the narrator and like is the like main thing tying it together, and she's like. 
he's really he's in her back he's so funny in it Hell yeah. and i in general am like a puff he's like oh anyone can like act like being funny is really hot <laughs> so like i think he did a really good job I like Jodie Comer. I mean, she she impressed me so much in uh, The Last Duel. I, I don't know if I've actually seen her in anything other than that. Austin Butler, too. You, you mentioned his hair. I certainly had that experience with Elvis. I left the theater. I was like, shit, I got to go to the barber shop. Brody, are, are you on mute? I am. Bryce needed something from my room. So oh, okay. <laughs> to figure it. It out. I'm listening, though. This movie does look like it has a really good cast. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it. What's um, What's like the chemistry like between austin butler and tom hardy that's like a duo that i think is exciting okay well it's without spoiling it it's very uh phil locker room if you know what i mean okay like they're the texas rangers would not be a bad one there's like sound shots i'm like oh okay we're like making it potentially um, well, but doesn't, tom like, hardy was the one who said like i'm an actor of course i've had gay sex oh <laughs> so yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, there you go. Don't tell the Rangers. <laughs> Does he bring that energy into this yeah. movie? Very much so. In like nice. a very unexpected way. Where it's like, it's kind of like, it's a meditation on masculinity, obviously. But like, it's, I think it does like interesting things. It's like, it's, it's based on the book. And like Mike Feist plays the guy whose book it is. Um, oh, that's cool. Can, like, weirdly like weasley and cool and has like really bad facial hair in it so i'm like incredible <laughs> role. um but there's a bunch of like character actors who like i really like like the moment when i realized the guy from brooklyn one of my favorite movies of all time who plays her italian husband is in it i'm like oh this movie's like just what i'm not this movie was made for me i was so i was like punching the ass hell yeah i'm yeah <laughs> I love Norman Reedus. He like there's a uh, a show that he has that's like all about motorcycles. On, but I was like scrolling through and I was like, man, that's weird. it's called Norman Reedus's Ride. And I was I don't know why I started watching it, but I watched one episode about New York and I was like, actually, you know, it was like really good. Like <laughs> it was like surprisingly good. He's like an interesting guy. Um, and it was like he did like all of the uh, like like stuff in a New York travel doc that you wouldn't normally see like he went to coney island and like met the people who like make the pop art for it and like the artists who like lives there and like it was really cool like he went to what's the name of the fame like uh mario batelli bart bart Bar- i don't know that the chef guy like the tv chef and he like mario batali that's it anyway he went around and ate pizza with him and like all these places and heard stories about like you know old new york and stuff it was cool but um anyway what i was gonna ask <laughs> is uh is this movie at all similar to wild hogs because <laughs> it kind of looks like a similar vibe <laughs> i have no idea what wild hogs is i, I don't either actually bro to you're all alone i don't know what they're talking about <laughs> man that's for the best to be honest that was like the uh the old man motorcycle movie <laughs> i was like um like john travolta like being bald and uh wait was kevin james in that movie <laughs> Oh my god! I was mostly kidding, but wait, hold on. Let me the see meme. Uh, John Travolta, Martin Lawrence, Tim Allen, Ray Liotta, William H Macy, and like Marissa Tomei. Like, Dream blunt rotation. Oh yeah, <laughs> Molly. Had you seen a Jeff Nichols film prior to this one? I'm I'm looking at his movies now, and I have not seen any of them myself. It looks like the big ones are Take Shelter and Mud with Matthew McConaughey from 2012. Yeah, well, I. 
didn't take shelter, which is, um, I think, like a Michael Shannon. Uh, yes, correct. Michael Shannon's in this. Basically, everyone's like, if you name a guy, it's like a name some guys movie. Um, <laughs> and that's like a really good movie. He, he doesn't make a ton of movies, but he like introduced the film and he's like, yeah, I just like met Austin Butler and I thought he was like really uh, handsome and. I thought, like, I was very obsessed with him, so I wanted to, like, put him in this movie. And I was like, yeah, you can tell. Like, the the movie's, like, very, um, I don't know, like, it, it, it shoots stuff in a really interesting way. And, like, the first half especially is, like, super, like, propulsive, exciting. Like, I'm like, oh, like, I don't know what they're going to do in the second half of this movie. And then I'm like, oh, they didn't actually do that much stuff. But um, it's just, like, a very cool movie. And, like, he seems like a cool guy. The period Chicago accents are so... You can tell that all the accents had so much fun doing them, which is... I love accent work. I'm like, I, I have... Yeah. Austin Butler needs to be careful or he's just going to always be like the accent guy. Like He's never going to get a role where he just gets to talk, you know, talk as he, as he would. Like He's always going to have yeah. to have some kind of inflection. I think I want to save the Scorsese for the end. So why don't we move on to Sofia Coppola's Priscilla? Um, This is one that I was actually to mention Elvis again, the Baz Luhrmann movie. Like I remember when that one was coming out, you know, I didn't know a ton about the Elvis Priscilla relationship. So that was actually the time when I learned that she was like 13, 14 years old when they met. And I was curious if like, Boz Lerman was going to lean into an angle where he just makes the viewer like super uncomfortable like watching that like if he like cast an actual like young girl in that role or something it would just like condemn like Elvis's legacy or whatever I don't know I was very curious how he was going to handle that it didn't go down that route really at all it kind of seemed to me like maybe Sofia Coppola was going to make the movie that I was possibly curious if elvis was going to be like and the trailer also kind of gave that sort of energy to me so did what was priscilla like for you like how would you compare that to the depiction of uh elvis and how did you feel that sofia coppola handled this this material yeah well it's actually really funny because i think when the trailer came out it's like oh it's definitely gonna like glamorize the relationship and like be very accessible level but um, there's almost multiple times in the movie where, a ca- like, a character turns to camera and is like, and this is bad. Like, it's, it's in, like, a actually very, like, deft, like, storytelling way where it's, like, it's kind of that joke about people being, like, you know, reading the, <laughs> reading the book about the rise and fall of the, the Nazis being, like, you know, I, like, was shaking your head. So <laughs> you don't like, Sophia's, like, doing that where it's very much, like, it's very unvarnished about like her being very young. It's based on Priscilla's um, memoir. Priscilla was an executive producer. Um, uh, Kaylee Spaney, who plays Priscilla in it, had like met with Priscilla. She introduced the film, and um, honestly, like throughout the film, you get a real sense they like really loved and respected her. It was actually crazy because I saw Priscilla the day after I saw. Kills the Flower Moon, which we'll touch on. And both those films, I feel like, are, like, filled with so much love for their subject. Where you're like, oh, I really feel like the, the, the filmmaker, like, cares about this person and has put so much care into how they're depicting them. And, like, I was just thought of I was like, I'm so interested. So I want to read, like, a thousand more things about that. I'm going to probably read that memoir. And um, 
he does a really good job, I think, of like a very Sophia Coppola idea of like showing loneliness and a sense of isolation and a sense of, you know, your identity potentially fracturing in a weird way. Um, so like, I think it's a really, like, I, I like walked out of like, potentially the, my favorite Sophia movie of all time. Whoa. I was like very much like, I loved it basically. That's awesome. I was not sure. <laughs> That is actually something else that I was very curious about was Priscilla Presley's like involvement in both this movie and again with Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Like I didn't know how the filmmakers would be able to handle subject matter that they may handle differently, you know, were any of the subjects not actually involved and were they actually treating it like from a third party's point of view they didn't necessarily have that creative luxury so i was curious about like how priscilla's take on her own life and how she wanted to see herself depicted in these films impacted how sofia coppola was able to access like these stories do you feel like that relationship was done respectfully both to priscilla presley's life and also to the subject matter at hand to the point where it was able to be depicted responsibly yeah i think so like i think obviously what you're getting is very much based on her memoir i just like i was reading a little bit about her memoir and it's and in terms of the pacing, a lot of the film is when she's pretty young. Like, the majority of the film is pre-them getting married, which I didn't realize was such an extended period of, like, she's moved to the U.S., she's living in his house and going to school, which is a, a strange dynamic already in that. I think the fact that I knew it was based on a memoir and the fact that there were a bunch of weird little details that made it ring really true made it feel like, you know, Sophia was able to get at the real story here. I think it's clear, if you get a sense both of why she was enchanted by him and obsessed with him and in love with him and also why that was not a model for a relationship as a whole. And really like, I actually haven't seen Elvis. Um, I did not have a TV for a very long time. Um, so I- Vibes. Only ever saw movies, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I only ever saw movies in theaters and I'm like, I missed that one. And I now want to watch it because I, Bad Lemon, famously Australian, but I support my guy. <laughs> um, but Jacob Elordi, who's in it, like, is literally from the same city in Australia I'm from. Oh, that's like, cool. Went to school with my cousin. Whoa, and, like, I didn't know that. Great guy. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Man. And he's, he's, he's good in it. Like, I think he, he's so tall and Kelly Spanier, who plays Priscilla, is He's such really a little classy. lady so it's yeah. like the, the juxtaposition is really good and i think it's you're able to kind of tell the story of like his batch of us and there's like early scenes in germany but he's stationed there and she's stationed there with her family and she's literally like a 13 year old going to parties at like a the most famous guy on earth house like it's it's it, it's it's crazy. <laughs> if you just like, I mean, I'm looking at just some of the uh, the photos on IMDb of the the film. You can just see like the juxtaposition in like the characters. Just like the photo of them at their wedding. There's a photo of him like it looks like in an interview, and then she like she looks like a child, and he's like this you know megastar looking you know with like the blue suit, the cane, the giant gold, like the Elvis fit you know that was literally uh, going to be my my last yeah. question was like what was the height difference like 
it's interesting. It's, it's a good choice, like, you know, for uh, for this relationship. Sorry, go on, though. No, yeah, it's, it's just, it's crazy. And I think it is true to life. Like, I think she was, like, a small lady. And she's certainly, um, like, Kaylee Spaney, I've seen in the TV show that she was in that she was really good in. I now can't think of the name of. Uh, let me find Maybe. I'm not sure, but she's she's a really good actress. This is different to anything I've ever seen her do. But one of the things that the is first, very or the mayor of Easttown? I haven't seen that. I did not know she was in that. Me neither. She's good. <laughs> she's she's doing a bunch of different things. There you go. Uh, um, Devs or the first lady? Looks yeah, like. Devs. She's so Devs. good in Devs, and it's like a very yeah. different performance. And she, when she's entering the film, was talking about growing up in the South and the idea of Elvis and Priscilla being such icons mm-hmm. in her life. And she did, like, it's such a, it's such a, like, lovely performance. Like, you get, like, a really, like, you get such a warm sense of Priscilla. Like, I literally was like, oh, and I was like, I was like, we really, yeah, I'm, like, going to do a bunch of research. And, like, a lot of people failed her, like, her parents. And, like, his dad comes across crazy in that i'm not sure if that's a big thing in elvis but you really don't like his his dad in elvis i feel like his dad is just kind of depicted as like an idiot who gets like walked all over by the uh tom hanks like german cartoon (laughs) character like it's it's crazy but also have you guys seen uh bad times at the el royale kaylee spaney's in that and she's she's pretty good in that one too she was yeah Oh, I didn't know. That was a really good movie. I, I got to yeah. watch it again. I mean, we, you know, we, we've seen it. It's been like five years since it, it came right. out. But I remember that it. was that was a lot of fun when we saw that in theaters. Moving on. Foe, directed by Garth Davis, starring Saoirse Ronan and Paul Mescal. Uh, I haven't been hearing the best things about this movie, but maybe the critics are wrong. Molly, what'd you think of this one? The critics are right. It's bad. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> but like, it's. It's also just so weirdly directed. The guy who made it made Lion, which is like a very competently made film. Um, it's one like Dev Patel. It's like it, it got nominated for Oscar. It's like a very like beautiful, nice, like quite a straightforward story. Um. Oh, he but... did Mary Magdalene too, the one with Joaquin and Rooney Mara that I thought. Like I didn't see that. I just like remembered like the idea of it being so strange. Yeah, I think, well, sorry, it's, um, the thing that I would compare this to is, you know, I'm thinking of ending things. Yes. Like, like Hawthorne movie. Yeah. You know, that's like based on a book, but in the most, like, the book is just taking those vibes. And the same thing with, like, the, I think with Alex Garland's adaptation of Annihilation, similar, like, took the book and just kind of vibed off it. I never realized and that was a book, too, Annihilation. Yeah. It's such a good book. Um, it's Jeff Bend. I mean, there's a whole like trilogy, I think. Yeah. Uh, and they're really good. I oh, I enjoyed the movie. It wasn't. I don't think it was amazing, but it was good. <laughs> same with cars. Yeah. Same with cars. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about cars. The book that cars is based on is so good. Have you read it? Cars. <laughs> yeah. Man, I I genuinely that was so like. <laughs> so, I'm like, am I dumb? Like, no, yeah, you said that. Like, you said that so genuinely. I was like, she's definitely yeah. kidding, but that's a really well delivered joke. We'll have you back yeah, on for can. our Cars Annihilation double feature yeah. episode. Yeah, um, yeah. about adapted work. That, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Moving yeah. forward from there, though, Yorgos Lanthimos, Poor Things, Emma Stone. What'd you think? 
Emma's in her fucking bag. Fuck <laughs> yeah. He's so good in it. One thing I would say is like not enough Willem Dafoe. He's in like the starting bit and he's so good and he's doing like a Scottish accent. And the book it's based on is Scottish, actually. Oh, interesting. Um, And I think they changed a bunch of things. Like I think that's a nod to it. And he's so good and such like, a, like an interesting presence. So when it's mostly just Emma off on like little journeys with mainly like Mark Ruffalo and then later a bunch of other actors in like different parts of Europe. You kind of suffer a little bit from him not being around, but it's a really good movie. The craziest thing about it though is like the ending, I was like, oh, this is the ending of the movie. And then it's not the ending of the movie. And then like someone turns up and like does a weird like final wrinkle, which I wasn't sure. Like I, hmm. I, I ended up being like four and a half times. So I'm like, I think the last bit like kind of screws out of being like perfect. Um, Ooh, okay. Really interesting. Like I really liked it a lot, and just looking at the trailer right now, the the stylization on this is unbelievable. Is it like it's crazy? It, it's this looks like just enrapturing. Brody, <laughs> like, have, have you seen any Yorgos Lanthimos's uh, previous movies? Did you watch Killing I, of a Sacred Deer with us? Uh, no. But I have seen. You know what's funny? I was about to say this looks like the favorite. And then yeah. I remember that he was the favorite. Yeah. So, like, that's, you know, um, I have yeah. seen the favorite. That's okay. a great movie. Um, and that's like the, just the, the camera work is so similar. Like the under the yeah. low shots, the, you know. He shoots with those like fisheye lenses. Yeah. 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 This is, but, but that's, this is like this, like a time is a pavilion. Like it's, um, it's set in like a weird, like kind of fantasy land version of London, which is really interesting yeah. for me. So I'm like, oh, I, recognize like what that skyline is meant to be right it's kind of based on frankenstein which the book is is based on his riff on but then it goes to like lisbon and a bunch of other places but the way that it's looked is just like unlike anything else right it's that weird warping in normal scenes it like mixes black and white and then color it's just like the costuming is crazy like everything emma stern wears in it is crazy there's a bunch of weird, like, mutant animals in it. It's so interesting. Like, this is something you would watch, like, 20 times. Like, the favorite is probably his most... Like, it, it has, like, interesting visual things, but what's happening in the story kind of makes, like, it's kind of linear sense. This is right. like, kind of a simple story where it's kind of about her discovering who she is and stuff, but visually it's, like, dialed up to a billion. I should say the favorite... It's one of my favorite um, movie watching experiences of all time, which is I saw it at the Arclight in LA and I like sat down. I like heard a laugh behind me in a voice I recognized. I turned around and it was Natalie Portman. Whoa. <laughs> and so I like watched the favorite with Natalie Portman in front of me and then like Zoe Kravitz. And he talked during the movie. <laughs> she didn't. She literally just like giggled at all the like the funny parts. Yeah. And was like, with a friend, and yeah, right. and then like Zoe Kravitz and her then boyfriend, later husband, now ex-husband, they were like two rows ahead. They made out through most of the movie. <laughs> oh my god, that I, I I see that from that's awesome. Kravitz in general, that's like on brand for the family. <laughs> Celebrity man, gossip, really you get cool. it here first on Mudville. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we're <laughs> the hot spot for all um, the. <laughs> my understanding of poor things is emma stone's character essentially has the brain of her own baby like put into her and like that concept sounds so crazy especially in a yorgos lanthimos movie 
in your own opinion, does it do that concept justice? Did you leave satisfied? Like, I think, like, she's giving a really interesting performance. I was actually just this morning listening to the Blank Check episode about um, Kira Stacey Benjamin Button, which is kind of a similar idea of, like, a guy who's an old man in a baby body or a baby in an old man body Hmm. the movie. Yeah, a baby who's, like, born as an old man, and then as he ages, he gets, like, progressively younger. Yeah. Not not one of my favorite finchers, to be honest, but eh, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but the funny thing is, like, one of the major takeaways that you get from her being young, you watch her kind of grow into herself and grow up, is um, there's just a very extended, like, one of the major themes, I think, is just, like, horniness. Like, there's a lot of, because it's a, it's a your boss movie, so there's just a lot of weird, very nasty, ugly horniness which like takes the like maybe 30 minutes in and then kind of doesn't stop for mm. at least an hour. <laughs> so I'm like, That's, I remember thinking that about like the favorite too. And then I, I was in that movie. I was shocked. It was going where like, I don't know. I was uh, what? 20 at the time. So my 20 year old brain was like, is that what's going on here? And then I was like, no, no. And then it was, <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I would just say like, don't watch this with your parents. I would just yeah. say that. Okay. Yeah. That's they probably also, a good like, recommendation. I don't know if this this doesn't like this is not. I don't think this is the the audience for this, but it kind of looks like Bioshock. Like, have you like ever seen like the the style of a Bioshock game? Right over my head. Like, okay, I'm a girl. Very, I'm a girl. <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're saying. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, at least <laughs> I read the room right. At least <laughs> it wasn't the right crowd for it. But, um, but if you look up like Bioshock Infinite, it's like a game from, I don't know, like 15 years ago now. Very steampunky and colorful and like alternate reality, like, you know, city in the clouds type deal. Like it's very yeah. kind of, you know, it's like wonder, wonder, like sense of wonder, which yeah. has like a really nasty underside in that game specifically. But, um, but yeah, that kind of like interesting alternate way to look at something anyway it's (laughs) it's interesting to me just kind of this like shift in yorgos lanthimos's filmography where like i I don't know i i think about like the lobster or killing of a sacred deer and i feel like those are both such like sexless cold type movies that now like we're talking about like the favorite and molly you're talking about how his new movie is like super horny like that feels like a different type of i don't know that that feels like something he wasn't interested in like for so long like and i don't know maybe i'm like misremembering some stuff about these movies but like the lobster like in particular like that was a movie where like it's about dating like quote unquote but in this very like fucked up futuristic like sci-fi version of that and then killing of a sacred deer there's like some very like fucked up like incestuous stuff in in that that movie from what i i can remember um so i don't know to to go from that to like the favorite which was of course like a love triangle lesbian english royalty movie which was fucking sick and now now going to this like that that feels like a big shift in his filmography to me i don't know that's just yeah the lobster is like pretty like the scenes that depict anything is like very anti very like well this is like but it's also just like that movie is much more like elegant and less like interestingly grotesque than this movie i think part of that is just like maybe it's inspired by like what he read in text like clearly like 
the Frankenstein myth will be speaking as such a like a it's all about like the grotesque and it's like kind of Victorian era so there's the weird like that like weird steampunky thing of like you have like weird balloons in the sky but you also mm. have like this idea of like people being shunned and like men in dark coats and like back alley and like all sorts of grimy stuff happening under the surface of like very frilly outfits mm. but I'd be interested to see like what he does next because like um it's like a much more fantastical like magical weird thing than like yeah like a family drama or like they should have given him Wanda (laughs) (laughs) they actually should have that would be so cool that's the only way I would be excited for Wonka is if they gave it to your that like just from again just from the trailer alone for for poor thing I can already tell that would have been better I get the sense too that he like really wants to be Stanley Kubrick and I feel like we need more directors that really want to be Stanley Kubrick Moving forward from there, uh, let's talk about your favorite movie from the the festival, uh, Richard Linklater's Hitman, starring Glenn Powell. What did you think of that? What a picture. What a picture. Um, It's so good. Um, As I said, it's the kind of movie where everyone's laughing the whole time. Spontaneous rounds of applause. Like, Glenn Powell is... Like, I I thought he was a good actor. I've seen him in... Um, everybody wants some, which we talked about briefly. Like he's, I think he's a good actor, but like he's, um, like it's a movie star performance. It's such a good performance. There's like so much charisma and like everything he's doing. Um, the main female lead is amazing. I hadn't actually seen her and stuff, and I like looked up her filmography. She's been in other good stuff, but um, it's such a like funny, like smart movie. Um, I have like mocked out loud multiple times, including like the final credits, because based on a real life guy, so, like they were doing the final credits, they're talking about the real life guy. Like, there's like a genuine laugh line at like a throwaway joke in the credits, which I think is such a good sign. It's just like a movie that has like it, it's the kind of movie where I would be like, they just don't make movies like this anymore. <laughs> like, it's huh. it's like that kind of almost like kind of b-movie style of like the nice guys and like kiss kiss bang bang which are like some of my like those are like canonical molly movies where they're a little bit grimy and like very funny and like everyone in it is like firing and also and it's extremely funny extremely charismatic there's cool stuff and like zips along and yeah i think it's it's like a shame that i think it's been bought by netflix and it's just getting released on netflix because it's the perfect like go to a movie theater and like laugh with everyone else kind of that's such a tragedy that it went to (laughs) netflix like i don't know like everything that i i had heard about like people who had seen those at at screenings and now from what you're saying like i i i bet that they probably do like a very like limited theatrical release so i'll probably get to see it in a theater but it probably like won't be a very big crowd because people will be like oh i can just go see this on netflix and yeah i i really hate that like that that makes me very sad to think about. But uh, are you like a big Linklater fan? Like, did this give you a new sense of appreciation for him, or is this like just another Richard Linklater classic? I think it did give me a new sense of appreciation just because it feels this will sound like an insult, but it's not. But it feels more conventional than other things that he's made. But it feels conventional in like you know when you watch a really good movie in the seventies or eighties, and there's nothing crazy happening. 
but just everything is pitched so perfectly and everyone in it is a movie star and like everything looks amazing and not just like that dried out like sorry like netification of everything where everything looks flat it's it real just, cinema it feels yeah it feels well, like a real say, movie everybody wants some specifically that movie encapsulates like at least what i imagine like just from seeing pictures of my dad in college like you know like that vibe so perfectly and it makes it feel so you know alive would you call it like grounded because i think that's what about his other movies that make them feel so genuine is like it just feels honest and like real enough i think it feels like less grounded like there's some like some genuine like kind of almost like a coen brothers like a series of like things unravel kind of idea like that's why it feels a little bit different but also like that main like the characterization of the main character is like so good it has this like weirdly uplifting message about this all sounds so funny that it's a weird uplifting message about like you can change your life the better you can become the person you always wanted to be Mm -hmm. and that is to live almost like straight like almost like the Oppenheimer sense of someone in that movie is like you should just be yourself and it doesn't feel like trite because it's within the framework of a movie where like that yeah. makes sense it's something someone would say to someone so it's definitely like it's I would say like it's a much more it's the most Cohen Brothers movie that Lindsay has ever made but it has that like weird like 70s 80s swag of like movies of that era which I just like when you like, I watched Dog Day Afternoon for the first time a couple of weeks ago. I was like, "Oh, this is like a real movie." <laughs> I I love Dog Day Afternoon. Also, could I just say, I love that moment in Oppenheimer where he's like, I know exactly what you're talking about, where that, that character is like, Oppie, you just gotta be yourself. And then Christopher Nolan treats it like a fucking Batman mask where he picks up the hat. And it's like, I was like, yes, he picked up the hat. And I'm like, what am I rooting for here? I saw somebody else say something similar even about uh, Brendan Fraser and Killers of the Flower Moon where he was like playing a coen brothers character in a scorsese movie this felt very like coen brothers ask as well like I, i've heard similar things about about hitman but uh i don't know I, I i haven't seen it yet myself do you feel like richard linklater was going for a coen brothers type thing with it yeah i have no idea it was like the final it was the film that closed the festival it's the final screening um and i like hadn't done any reading on it like i kind of got my ticket like last minute because I didn't get tickets to absolutely everything I wanted to see just because like I also have like a day job and I was like I'm gonna run like I'm gonna run out of steam to watch everything but this was one where I'd seen good reviews but I like knew nothing about like most of these movies I apart from some of the flower moon I had not even seen a trailer for most of these because I was trying to like stay unspoiled obviously kill the flower moon the trailer is like so good it's so good um, it's so <laughs> we discussed the the wolves in this picture of um blind yeah like, after you saw <laughs> it i texted you is that like used in an iconic context and you said no and i was disappointed and then i saw it and i was like okay i, I get it more i saw somebody say that that scene where he's like where he reads from the book is the best time to get up and pee during the movie and like i don't know i don't have an opinion on that i i i personally held it but I don't know. <laughs> if you're somebody who has a, a weak bladder, maybe you go pee I, in the first like. 20 I did minutes. run out during Oppenheimer to for a second, which is why I'm thinking maybe I missed the. <laughs> you might have missed the shit in his hat line. I missed one like you know I was out for less than a minute. I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly I don't remember where 
it was in the movie though but quick tangent what's the longest you've ever had to leave a movie for like have you ever had a crisis where you when you've been seeing Uh, a movie i i had to skip actually the second half of barbie when i saw it because i i was supposed to be gone more huh it was i saw it again but it was i i saw the uh like i literally counted because i think it was like an hour and a half so i stayed for 45 minutes and then i was supposed to be seeing it again um i saw my family and then i was seeing my girlfriend the next day um so i was like i don't want to i'll see half with you guys i'll see like the full thing with my girlfriend the next day um it was a whole thing but um ended up working out but i did walk out like through halfway and i felt really bad about it i've never walked out of a movie before <laughs> but um yeah. they were probably like wow that i know i was like of all probably movies, hated the Barbie. movie like no it's great I just he, he probably like, thought it was too woke <laughs> i know i was like no 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 <laughs> it's not that i had uh an incident a couple of years ago when I was seeing the green night, I got two phone calls in a row. Where I was like, okay, I guess I have to take this. My then girlfriend locked herself out of our apartment. I didn't really like the green night, so it was okay with me. But Molly, what about you? Have you ever had an in theater crisis? Mine is, I didn't leave, but I like, wanted to leave the whole time, which is when I saw Nocturnal Animals. Oh, God, fair enough. I, if I was with my boyfriend at the time, and I was just, I kept like, I hate this. I hate this. I want to go. I don't blame you. That's the most. No, it's directed by fucking Tom Ford. Tom Ford. Wait. Yes, that that one. It's probably the most unpleasant movie I've ever seen. Like the. It's just this like unnecessary like framing just in in service of the most violent and unpleasant narrative device you've ever seen and just the movie itself sucks. So really not a fan of nocturnal animals either. I think it's definitely fair to describe that movie as a crisis. <laughs> yeah, I just I just kept feeling like I really I really hate this. I wanna go just like I'm I'm good. I'm, I get it. I wanted to ask you also, Molly, about your uh, film directors and sports theory. Uh, you kind of gestured towards that to me, and I don't fully know what it is yet, but it sounds like the perfect thing to discuss on this podcast. So why don't you tell us what that is? So, um, it's like a, it's part of the classic, which is one of the greatest like concepts of all time, which is like one of the things, like if you're ever drunk with your friends, you just, you just stop doing like what things and what other things. Like, my favorite thing is, like, New Jersey is Switzerland, uh, Vienna is D.C., you know, like, the same thing to me. And a classic in that genre is, like, what film directors and which sports, which is a idea I didn't come up with. It's from literally, like, a stream that I once watched of Will and Nate from A Carson Look, and they were just talking about which directors for which sport. And I cannot remember any of their takes. But ever since I saw that, that like lunch in my brain, I'll just be like watching them and be like, what do I think this is? <laughs> and um, I have some like, I have some like bad ones. Like no one agrees with this one, but I think like Denis Villeneuve is kind of like hockey and it's not just because he's Canadian. I'm like, it's a mixture of the beauty and the elegance of ice and then the violence. Uh, and like the sharp, sudden violence of hockey that like makes it hockey to me um i feel like someone like like early korea sports yeah i would be like that's like basketball and you're just watching the numbers go up and up and up and up and up and it's just like you're just like so jazzed to be there 
Um, and but I would say like something like Killers of Thorburn is more like like old school pre Pitchcock baseball. It's like slow, deliberate, and then like suddenly a bunch of stuff happens at once. Where like you can just like a single inning, like you watch the pitcher completely lose it. Um <laughs> Or like a batting order, like go on a hot streak. Orts are so cinematic that I actually really like that comparison because they're they have different feels when you watch them. So that's that's kind of interesting. But like, I I don't know. I was gonna say like Michael Bay's football, but like honestly, I think Christopher Nolan might be more like football. <laughs> think about like okay, James Cameron is kind of the Olympic, where it's only every so often and it's, it's a big that you don't care about. That's perfect. <laughs> and like, there's some problematic elements to it. You're like. <laughs> Show me to be having Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. You I mentioned like earlier, like, one. not being sure whether baseball would be Martin Scorsese or Steven Spielberg. And I think that that's kind of perfect, too, because, like, like you were saying, those two were yeah. both so quintessential American directors and in, in very different ways. Like, kind of the go to story that, that I think of when I think of like the difference between those two directors is one time Paul Schrader was like teamed up by some studio to work with Steven Spielberg and they were like working on the script and Schrader was like you know, he was trying to write this like fucked up protagonist who's like you know about to like kill everybody in the world and then steven spielberg is like wait a minute what are you doing schrader was like i don't want the protagonist of this movie to be some american regular like every man who eats all of his meals at like mcdonald's and steven spielberg said that's exactly what i do want and that's yeah. been all of steven spielberg's movie since and i feel like paul schrader you know he's of course worked with with Martin Scorsese, so many times they have so many similar sensibilities. Spielberg really represents that, like, mainstream. He wants to be the official director of America. And, like, Martin Scorsese, I, I don't know. I feel like he has more of a genuine he idea of, like, what... <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, like, knows, like, what America, like, truly is. And he has more ideas of, like, the dark sort of underbelly of it. And he depicts those things in ways that are still fun to watch. So, like, you're watching protagonists like Henry Hill or Jordan Belfort, who are, of course, horrible people. And, like, you're having so much fun watching those movies still and that's something else that i was going to touch on with people completely miss the point of their characters <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. like like what, what one point that i that i do want to make about killers of the flower moon that i'll probably make again because i do want to do like a full big like episode on that movie I, but it's like I mute my laptop this isn't a spoiler um but like to me it's so interesting that 10 years after wolf of wall street which i'm not interested in having a like depiction versus endorsement argument but i think that like that's the most like misread movie at least by people of like our generation like i remember seeing a tiktok or instagram thing once where it was like we asked like 20 kids like what their favorite movie is and they all just replied wolf and it's like and it's not because this like exposes like the evils of capitalism it's because you want to watch dicaprio do coke and like fucking I, I don't know. now like having seen killers of the flower moon 10 years later like there's a very quick moment where like dicaprio just quickly brushes hands with like the ku klux klan and i think that that's so intentional to put that in where it's like 
I'm going to smack you over the head with how off these characters are. And like the fact that you're watching Leonardo DiCaprio, who's been in five of these Scorsese behemoths over the past 20 years, be coerced into this evil string of American crimes by this character played by Robert De Niro who is the other half of Martin Scorsese's career. Like, I'm going to get into this more, but I feel like there's something so sinister about that, and it's deployed so beautifully by his direction, just, like, as always. Like, of course, Martin Scorsese is just a perfect director, but there's something in Killers of the Flower Moon where it feels like everything he's worked to his whole career, and it's like that transformation of gangsters to capitalists is kind of complete with it i when you were talking i had a realization which is that scorsese and spielberg are both faithful but scorsese is doing the american league which is evil and you feel bad in your gut (laughs) and spielberg is doing the national league are here feel good stories with the colorful characters that's honestly yeah, perfect it's, it's really funny. Funny. we're like this is this is so easy. like the ALs are so i mean Scorsese is the yankees <laughs> and spielberg is basically like the uh i don't know the phillies feel right <laughs> like the mets like you know any like or like the brooklyn he's the brooklyn dodges like he's <laughs> like yeah. Apple pie. Or- what sport is Paul Thomas Anderson? Because I have a theory. And I don't know. PTA is like... I think it's soccer. Because it's a very, like... It's a long, very winding story that culminates in, like, bang. And then, you know, like, satisfying little after bit. <laughs> I can see that. I always think about, like, soccer as being, like, Ken Lurch. Like, it's very, like, um, uh, kitchen sink, like, gritty, working cloth. Right. Um, very small budget, but I think that maybe, like, it's primarily versus, like, MLS. Maybe you can pull them yeah. down the MLS. I would say, we talk about your guys. Like, your guys is obviously wrestling. Because it's, like... <laughs> yeah, the spectacle and the fakeness. And, like... and also, like, the obsession with the human body. Like, he's clearly, like, even back in, like, the older movies. Older movies. These are, like, like Ten years not ago. that old. But, yeah, yeah, like... Not even. Right. Um, I, I'm a big... PTA head. I, I, I think I've, I think I've tweeted something to the effect of like, I, I just want to bat and spread one guy in my life, like <laughs> two times. <laughs> That's like, I think at this point, I've always been saying, uh, like when people ask me like, what your favorite movie is, it's hard for me to say anything other than There Will Be Blood, which is like, I mean, that was like one of the first times I watched something and was like, oh, this is like cinema <laughs> I was like, this is like peak i mean the wolf of wall street was like that but it's very spectacle heavy whereas like there will be blood has just the perfect blend of like storytelling and character and like also it helps that it's a you know a good period piece and stuff like that it's one of those like movies that truly teaches you what like cinema can do it's like oh wait this is what a movie like i had that experience watching the shining like i remember i saw that movie for the first time and i was like this is what i want to do with my life <laughs> did we watch that together for no, the first time no 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 i, I watched it um i was like some one one like summer i was home from school i just watched it at home yeah that's a really good movie yeah so it's perfect i take the shining the good. shining good movie yeah. you, you heard I it think we're gonna get controversial yeah. I, i'm not sure i feel about this i actually okay 
I have not seen that will be blood. And this is like another one of my extended movie bits. <laughs> I'm saving satin movies for like my future husband. Ooh. I want, <laughs> I want to give him the gift of showing me that will be blood. Um, that's an incredible gift. <laughs> Whoever your husband is, like Man. shit. But then don't waste it. You got to be sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, don't like, don't waste it on some like idiot. Yeah, for real. Yeah, Man. there has to fully be like a ring on my finger before I'm like, yeah, you can load up. You got to have like six kids before you even watch that movie. It's that good. Like you got to be sure if if that's your plan for there will be blood. Yeah. My favorite <laughs> PTA I think is Inherent Vice. I've just seen that movie like five times now, and I just think it's perfect. He's my favorite director. I don't know what what sport he would be though. Um, Molly, who do you think wins the World Series? Yeah, so I think I think it is. Well, I want it to be Rangers Phillies, and then I I think it would be a six game with I think the Phillies winning. Um, okay. But my fear is that it'll be <laughs> Astros Phillies, and then I'm just like, yeah, they're gonna win. Maybe they're weakest in the Mafia, but like. Every time I see Jordan Alvarez, I go into shock. I think there's an aspect of, um, like, the bullpen management, which is some, like, sub-optimal. Yeah. Again, I have nightmares about when they pulled Zach Wheel on last World Series. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't feel confident that wouldn't happen again, where there wouldn't be another one of those, like, weird gut punch moments. Mm. Which is kind of, I would say, like, kind of like the gut punch moment. You know, like, in a Coen Brothers or something, where you're like, oh, everything's going to work out for the characters. And then, like, something happens, you're like, oh, it's dirt. Everyone's dead. Like everyone's going to die. <laughs> that is how I felt. Yeah. And I should. Well, say, Rob like, Thompson was, was that was his first year. I mean, like he came in as the interim, so like maybe that yeah. was uh, maybe he couldn't manage with his gut as much. Maybe he will this year. <laughs> I'm very big yeah. on that. I saw our older games at like 3 a.m. as well. Yeah. Like with the time difference. Oh my the god! Game yeah. Started at like either midnight or 1 a.m. because the pullback yep. happened in the middle of the World Series, and we pull back a week before the U.S. does. Yep. And so it was just like I was watching things like the combined no hitter at like like leaving the bar at four AM then logging yeah. into work at eight. That's so crazy. I mean I have brain damage from that era. <laughs> so like don't listen to me about well, my In the twenty nineteen ALCS I was in Italy and so I remember like we went out we got back to my friend's apartment because he was like studying abroad there, and then it was literally like three, uh, like three oh seven or something in the morning because they were playing. I was like literally three in the morning. We were like, "All right, here we go." <laughs> it was and, like, and then know. it was like the Altuve home run. So it, it was, was like it was the that. most. It was. Brutal. I still remember yeah. I was running around on my balcony <laughs> in like an Airbnb when Didi hit the homer off of Verlander, and uh, <laughs> and I forget what game that was, but in the first inning, it was like, "We got to him. This is it." Like. Oh my god but that was uh yeah good good times those oh. really late night baseball starts if you're you know in europe it's yeah. it's, it's dedication so i applaud you <laughs> that's yeah. actually that's actually one of my favorite tweets of all time i can't remember the exact phrase but something like 2 a.m watching the raptors um play preseason on the amalfi course which is how i feel for the time where i'm like yeah i shouldn't be what are we doing here? Yeah. this is crazy my god yeah one of my Man. favorite tweets is like I'm going to become an uh, American soccer fan tweeting absolute fucking disgrace at 6 a.m. before anyone should have an opinion on anything. Dude, when I say that I have walked through New York early in the morning when I was like, I have an uncle who lives in New Jersey, so I've been to New York hmm. a decent amount. Um, walking Where through New Jersey? York, like, out of curiosity. Um, mm-hmm. Little Silver. It's in Monmouth County. Okay, gotcha. 
it's like my middle. but from Jersey too, so I was curious. But yeah. I, I love New Jersey. Um well, that makes um, one of us who loves yeah. New Jersey. <laughs> I will keep that in. I promise. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but I have I'll quote you on it. And... I love New Jersey. Molly <laughs> Thomas, 2023. Uh, That's... Non-American. Yeah. Non-American. Yeah, there um, you go. Yeah. The well, you go at 9 a.m. watching people like watch Formula One in a bar. Yeah, that's disgusting. Crazy. Disgusting. It's disgusting. It's really funny. Like, and then if you go to, you know, like any kind of, uh, like if you go downtown, there's all these like delis where there's people from, you know, like all these countries watching soccer that's going on. Like, you know, at any time during the day, there will be people watching soccer on tiny TV. <laughs> like, you know, like good for them. You know what? Again, dedication. <laughs> like, It takes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like that. You know, the thing it's like, uh, the meme, it's like flooding versus harassment. Yeah. Me. I'm not American. Watching American sports from London is flooding. Americans <laughs> watching British sports or like Europeans watching harassment. It's a lot harassing. Not for you. That's <laughs> why I don't watch any what? soccer. Me, you're it's a not for me. Fan. Like, no, you're not. Point you're, <laughs> you're, on a map, motherfucker. <laughs> Name five guys. See, like I. That's how I felt when, like, they they were talking about putting the fucking Super Bowl in England. That's like, no, That's we terrible. we created football. That. Nobody else wants to play it. Yep. We call it the World Championship, despite the fact that it's only our country. Molly likes football. And Canada, Canada, Canada is in the World Series. Well, could be. Yeah. Canada. Well, yeah. we give you the the London games all, already that we wake up for at nine thirty to see. Yeah. So I don't well, know. Just the worst. Yeah, we always give you like the Jaguars first, and like they're actually good now, so they'll probably stop giving you the Jaguars, and they'll replace it with like Carolina or something. They're they're not gonna put the. uh, I don't think they can put a team there. I just don't think it can be done. That's a whole other conversation. That is a different conversation. I was gonna talk about expanding uh, MLB, even like that could maybe work. I don't know. Yeah, but. We'll talk about that next time you're on. No, another time. Yeah, Molly, come back on. We'll talk about the international part. potential of baseball and football that'd be kind of fun actually molly before we let you go i i've got two more questions for you one are you ready for seven hours of commercial free football yes we literally we literally like planned this so that we could go and watch Red (laughs) the early and the late window ends what around like midnight yeah it has to right that's kind of nice that's a whole afternoon like you can just hang out (laughs) like you know you have a morning Man, well, here it's like, I've never <laughs> in my life had Sunday series because my Sunday evenings are like generally like baseball. Like this is why I think like baseball and the NFL are the two things I've like watched the most. Is because yeah. the games are on at really good times. Right. I'm not watching hockey ever. I'm not it's, watching basketball ever. I'm watching yeah. highlights. I'm not watching it's hockey amazing. ever either. If there was a West Coast game, I can't even imagine. I mean, a West Coast basketball game starts at like 1030 here, like on the East Coast. So, I mean, that would be, what, 330 in the morning? (laughs) Yeah, the the Lakers would play at like 4 a.m. That's crazy. And then my other question, uh, do you know who Stavros Halkius is? (laughs) Because I don't. I'm I'm just curious. I think that's going to do it here for for this episode. Molly, thank you so much for joining us. You've been an incredible guest. We had a great time. Good luck with Game 6 and possibly Game 7. I hope the Phillies win the World Series. Where can the people find you? Um, Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Angel in real time. 
the song slash album. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I have like tens of followers. So um, feel free to hop on that. All right. Well, that'll do it for us. We've taken up enough of your time. We're going to go watch football. Game six of the ALCS is tonight. We look forward to that. Brody and I will see you all next week. Thank you.